This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So the one thing I want to talk about pre-show mm-hmm. is we got a comment um, to, to talk about in French. Um, but yeah. on, on, on account of the fact of what... Um, the fact that when I go to... When I go to the Twitter page from twitter.com forward slash back of the nest, uh-huh. I can only see up to the 2021. I'm going to have to read it from my phone. So I'm going to have, maybe, is anyone's French good enough to translate? Um, I send it to me. I can cool. give it a go. If I send without... it to you without Google Translate, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and read it to you in perfect, in perfect French, right? I mean, that's going to be much harder for me than if you just sent me the written one. Well, I well, think, I think let's, let's just let's try because you know, I, this, I this is from <laughs> Dr. Esport. Where? So, um, it's a little picture of a ball with like a doctorate hat, like um, one of those square hat things on the top that they so it's, a, it's pretty good. Uh, can I just correct uh, you there? It's a, it's a picture of a ballon because it's French, it's a ball. Uh, okay, a ballon is French football. That, that would explain the whole ballon d'or thing. Um, I <laughs> yeah. suppose, there you go, we've learned something. Um, Quel joueurs sur le aller et quelle position pour Ayu? I got that bit. Le meilleur joueur de ce début de saison. Right, do it slowly. Quel is which or what? Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not. It's not Q U E L L E though. It's Q E. I tell you what. I'm going to stick it in Google, Google Translate. One of, one of you. <laughs> you just tell me the phone written down, and then I can look at it. Says Q U E L S. Q E L L what? Q U E L Yeah, Which players? Which yeah. players? Yeah. Sur le L et quelle the, position pour Ayu? In the, on the some on the something position of Ayu. Say it again. Sur le Sur le L's A I L E S et quelle position pour Ayu? I don't know what A I L S means. Is it helps? Maybe. Oh, Ailes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps, well done, yeah. Helps in what position for Ayu? Le milieu joueur de ce début de saison. The best player of what? The season. So he's saying, Ayu's the best player of the season. Which players help him? I don't know. That's my current theory. Do you want to... It's not not a bad point to start the show, is it really? Um, you're just gonna you're just gonna leave that there and not tell us if we're even vaguely correct. I, I, I'm gonna have to look it up on Google Translate while you're doing the intro. So, um, oh, right, I, that I, seems reasonable. I'll go I'll go on mute and and I'll do some top quality translation from my from my C and GCSE French. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport powered by fans. Alexa. Playing Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest, CPFC podcast from Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest match report. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm joined by Cara Skipper and Mike Scott today as we look back at Palace's 1-1 draw with Brentford. Hello. I'll talk to you first, Cara, since Mike's Googling stuff. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm all right. Um... I just recently discovered a big patch of black mould in my room, so um, been better, but, you know, it's fine. How else would you um, spend a bank holiday weekend? Uh, well, exactly. Yeah, so... So, um, just just in the just in the room? Well, yeah, yeah, so just pulled a bit of furniture out, and lo mm. and behold, massive patch of black mould greeting me there. It's not even Halloween. It's not great. No. No, no, um... I mean, I I had a similar problem in in my house that I that I bought last year. Um, I tried uh, ignoring it for a long period of time, 
Uh, and unfortunately, what happened there was then that spread. Yeah, it's going to uh, do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, which was annoying. Uh, I cleaned it several times with the, the sort of mold killer, and it turned orange, which was annoying. Um, so what I ended up doing was getting somebody to paint it. Um, right. So now it's all fine. I, I can't see it anymore, so it's good. Oh, that's good. Uh, so that's, that's my recommendation for you. If you get them to paint it with uh, anti-mold paint, presumably I'm assuming that it won't mold anymore. Uh, it's so. certainly still okay now. Yeah, that's good to know. I'll suggest that. I, uh, we are new in this house, and uh, hmm. I've already had quite the fight with the estate agent, so I'll tell her that's what you recommend and hope that... Uh, Indeed. So. We get to. You're listening to the Back of the Nest Moldcast. <laughs> um <sighs> Hi, Mike. This is this is excellent. This is like a episode of Home Improvement. Can you do a Tim Allen impression? No, no, not okay. yet. Right. A um, couple of things from me. One, uh, my two children have eaten sixteen cheese strings in twenty-four hours. Um, that's only two children, so uh, ridiculous. Dairy allergy, no? Uh, she did. Now she's sort of um, over the years. She's grown out of it, and she's making up for lost time. Uh, <laughs> Secondly, there's a massive uh, bike going past in the background that's probably going to come through on this. Yeah, Thirdly, did, yeah. uh, I'm missing missing the final of the 100 right now, so I'm going to keep glancing over there to see if we're winning. Having gone to the Oval loads of times to watch the games, the final's on, I've got it on mute, and I'm talking to you. Yeah. Uh, the Google Translate for the French comment that we got mm. on Twitter, uh, quel joueur sur laquelle position pour ayu le meilleur joueur de ce début de saison Directly translates into English as which players on the wings and which position for IU the best player of the beginning of the season. So uh, Google Google Translate absolutely slaying it there. Mm. Um, That's broadly what we said, right? Yeah, I think actually your translation made more sense yeah. than, than Google Translate. So there you go. Excellent. Um, yeah, uh, sort of slightly confused as to how much French I remembered. I don't know about you, Cara, but um, we should probably move on to something related to uh, to football and, uh, and Crystal Palace, who I believe um, we all support. Um, so, uh, obviously, you know, game against Brentford ending in a draw is not an unusual thing. It's, it's kind of how those things go. Um, you know, strong feelings on the first half, second half, uh, a lot, lot better. And we'll talk about the reasons for that. And there were some interesting comments uh, after the game, particularly from, from Roy Hodgson, um, that I want to get into as well, which, um, you know, uh, uh, give some insight into what, what the changes were and and what they were doing last season as well. So um, I think that's that's kind of a, you know, a good place where the game is. We've got some news as well to talk about, but we'll also cover a little bit about transfers at the time of recording. It's looking very likely that... Dean Henderson will be joining as a as well, obviously as a goalkeeper because that's what he is, um, and and some very interesting names being linked with Palace throughout the course of the week. Uh, we'll see what actually happens as deadline day approaches. Well, somebody posted on uh, Twitter the video of Palace against Wimbledon in the ninety one in nineteen ninety one the three two, and uh, John Solarco in goal. So let's not rule out you know <laughs> he, he played a blinder that day so let's not rule out Dean Henderson up front or you know whatever true true okay. but uh or overall... surely really I, I missed that because I spoke over you <laughs> sorry no I just said he can't be much worse up front than what we've already got surely well worth a try. Oh, that's oh that's <laughs> come on now that's one angle I was thinking about. The other one was, I wonder if Roy saw that game in 1991 and we we're actually going to sign John Solarco as a goalkeeper. But these are all, it's all just a joke. We're all just having a laugh. It's all a bit of a, a bit of lighthearted laugh there. Anyway, let's talk about a bit of the news from the week. Um, Jesse Derry, um, or uh, Jerry, Terry Derry, as we insist on calling him repeatedly, it won't get old, actually scored uh, two goals um, yeah, for, the, for the 18s. Um, as they beat Reading 2-1 at Copers Cope, as maintaining the 100% home record to the start of the season. He's been in and amongst the goals. He, he plays on the wing, in case you didn't know. I realize, I've realised over the last couple of weeks we forgot to actually mention where he plays. Um, so he's, he's playing, yeah, as a sort of wide forward, um, you know, making a real impact on the on the team, despite the fact his dad's gone off to assistant-managed Wolves. So uh, we'll be following that with... Um, with a lot of interest because, um, you know, the 18's doing a good job, a bit of a recovery from the, the loss against Chelsea last week. So really good to see. 
Uh, unfortunately, didn't see any of it myself. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I'm, sh- I'm assuming neither of you managed to see any of that either in any way. Um, I don't I don't think it was shown. So uh, a bit of a shame. So hopefully catch uh, some of the next one. The 21s, of course, playing um, probably around the time you're listening to this, if not already played. But that's uh, Bank Holiday Monday at Sellers Park. If by any chance we get this out beforehand, um, yeah, you can go to Selhurst and watch that game. Just buy tickets and go. So um, should be really interesting. Uh, I do want to mention, of course, that Bristol Palace have signed uh, Roshan Matherin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, former Tottenham player. was at Chelsea, I think, originally as well, but did really, really well at Tottenham before getting an injury. But he was the, the mythical trialist B who came on and, and played really well and scored a good goal against Man United. Also played for, for the um, the 21s against Reading. Um, you know, if you if you Google him and, and his history, you can see that he was really well thought of at one stage being likened to Gareth Bale uh, at Spurs. So, um, you know, certainly impressed in his early time at Palace. And it could be one of those where you pick somebody up after an injury um, and, and kind of once they've rehabilitated and got their confidence back, end up with a really good player so be watching that one and um mike over to you for our final story yeah i've just googled trialist b actually um (laughs) he 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 does have a page on the premier league website so no picture um but yeah uh trialist b um yeah so the um palace women kicked off their season this afternoon on the day of recording it's the standard Sunday 2pm games. Worth mentioning, I'm sure everyone knows by now, but they're playing their games this season at the Sutton United ground. I really hope it stays that way for both selfish and I think probably getting more fans in reasons. Um, it, 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 looked, it looked busy enough. Um, there was some very, very out of tune Palace singing um, going on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was an, it, it was an interesting game because so Reading pretty much cleaned out their entire squad um, and had totally replaced them. So I think they were a bit of an unknown quantity. So it wasn't the ideal team to play first off. And then obviously Palace had a fair few changes. It was it was a really stale first half. Um, Reading had the better of it. They will claim that they hit the bar twice, but. It, they kind of the ball sort of slowly ballooned onto the top of the bar twice. Um, they had a couple of other decent chances. Um, they did go one nil up, and um, thankfully, um, they our uh, keeper Negri um, took a knock, or I think probably her pride took a knock uh, as she fumbled the ball and it got bundled in quite softly. Um, she was down for a couple of minutes. There was already nine minutes of stoppage time. Um, Palace equalised on 102 minutes, uh, <laughs> so uh, I think Reading got a little bit, a little bit scared. Um, gave some space, you know, didn't really do great stuff holding up the ball, um, and um, it was huge that equalised. Um, so that was yeah, it was on 102 minutes, but um, it, it, the main players I thought played really well so Elise Hughes was decent um Fliss Gibbons was was really good um and then Annabelle Blanchard probably created everything Molly Sharp had a, a quiet game very far out on the left hand side um she went across it a couple of times that was about it um it mirrored the men's game the day before in a in a lot of ways um I didn't really see Palace equalizing but they did and and then looked after that like they probably if anyone was going to score a second um, it would be Palace. They did have a free kick from about twenty five yards, like one hundred and four minutes, like just before the whistle blew, um, but it went straight into the hands of their keeper. Um, I think it's going to be a tough season. Um, it's hard to tell initially, but um, there was pro- I would say there was a little bit of a lack of options up front. Um, it looked pretty solid at the back, but um, I think it, it, I think it might be a, another season of consolidation if they play like that. However, early days you can't tell from one game, um, but it's great to see the, the Sutton United, and um, obviously you can buy a season ticket and that kind of thing th- this year. So I'm um, looking forward to getting there as often as I possibly can. 
fantastic. Um, yeah, well, fingers crossed your predictions of doom um, aren't accurate and, uh, and things pick up. I, they, I don't see them. I don't see them down the bottom either. You know, um, no? okay. we've got, we got some very good, we've got some very good players. I just, um, I don't know. I think we're, there, there was definitely a lack of spark, but again, you know, it's hard to tell. You've got, you've got half a new team trying to gel together. So we yeah. should see. And new I'll see some changes. Well, right? Yeah. yeah. So like everything is all changed really. So I wonder how much, it's a bedding in period. We'll see. We'll see as the well, the, the 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 players that stood out were the, were the ones that have been there last season today. It was interesting. I don't know if you guys saw the um, clip on Palace TV of uh, a couple of the women's players being interviewed um, at the fan zone um, at their first men's game, and it was Molly that said that like the really standout thing is how much the girls all stood together. Obviously, we touched upon it last at the end of last season, and she said that's really been recognised um, by the new coaching staff coming in. So hopefully, there seems to be like a good kind of togetherness um, behind the scenes, and they're. Obviously, uh, being a Sutton means they're getting to play on the grass rather than um, uh, the what do you call it that they were playing on at Bromley. So it's all going in the right direction. We'll just see how it how they settle down over the next couple of games. Sure. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for that. And um, I think yeah, obviously let's let's get on with talking about the the game itself. That um, we have to start obviously with the fact that as anyone would have suggested, there wouldn't be any change to the team from the week before. Um, I've said in my notes, I'm gonna going to leave my first note which is same team no surprise for us all the Premier League games and see how long we get so we've got a tally of three so far if obviously we make some signings ahead of the window there's a possibility that three might be the most we get but in a row I'm not counting the cup game even I expect there to be changes for the cup game I have to say um but you know going, going into the Wolves game unless we sign some, some 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 players I can't really see too much changing um Obviously, we only made two changes off the bench as well, but they were effective and we will get to that. But um, the, the only difference was that Mateta uh, came onto the bench and I spent a good sort of 10 minutes earlier trying to work out who he had replaced on the bench before I realised we didn't name our full complement of subs last week. So um, that was that was frustrating for me. Um, but yes, yeah, so we, we named nine subs this week uh, and eight against Arsenal. Um, so Mateta did come back from whatever injury it was, um, despite you know suspicions that he was being kept um, behind for uh, for the fact that we were trying to sell him, which you know could still happen. Um, so nothing too much to talk about there. But go on, Mike. I just wanted to ask on Mateta before I forget. Mm. Um, how is it? I mean, he he's not bold. So how is it that he's managed? He he manages to just have like literally look like there's not a single hair on his head. I mean, it must he must do it just before the game. I I want to know. I mean, I wonder if those sort of Facebook or Instagram ads for this new device that's got like seven blades. Just this, there you yeah. go. I wonder yeah. if that actually works, and that's what Mateta's doing because I could do with it. I'll be honest with you. I don't. <laughs> what little hair I have left annoys the hell out of me. So I, I'd love to get rid of it. Um, but he's, I mean, it's also, it's very shiny and I can't get that level of shine. I try. Um, but, you what know, have you tried, Chris? Uh, just sort of cleaning it and, uh, you know, cause there's no, there's not anything that's real in terms of scalp wax. People claim that it exists. Pledge. It pledge. I'll give pledge a try. Lemon pledge, of course. <laughs> um, it's the best, best variety of pledge. Um, right. Uh, could we get pledge based sponsorship? Do you feel, um, uh, or either that or like Pound Stretcher, which is where you yeah. can get pledge for a reasonable price. Well, there you go. Yeah. Should we, or potentially do we have to clarify that you shouldn't attempt to polish uh, human skin with pledge? Do we have to say that? See what happens. Yeah. Okay. Look, if you do try that, I didn't tell you to do it, but if you do try it, let us know how you get on. Just if it works, do it, you do it first, first and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, yeah. but I'm not telling you to do it. It's yeah. really important. Can we get like Andy Johnson on for an episode and get him <laughs> to do it on video? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that's not how I thought we would talk, be talking about AJ today. Um, I think we best uh, we best move on. Look, let's let's get straight into the main sort of talking point, which was the difference in the first half versus the second half. And before I start ranting and and, and stuff. I mean, Cara, your summary of that first half, if you will. 
<laughs> okay, no, I am. Okay, I'm going to give you not my own words because I know we're all trying to not be really negative. Mark, you don't struggle from that uh, anyway. But uh, so I'm going to quote BBC Sport and uh, part of their summary. Now, this wasn't the whole game, but I'm going to say it really um, was kind of more um, poignant for the first half, OK? So they said, uh, Roy Hodgson's men are also in dire need of a striker after another rather toothless display overall. And I would say that toothless display was mostly in the first half, right? And then the tactical changes yeah. uh, kind of gave us a bit more bite, gave us a bit more speed, gave us a bit more energy. Um I'm I'm hoping that Mike's cheering my point there and he really agrees with it, but I'm going to guess something's just happened in the cricket. He, he cheered I, I'm not, I'm, toothless display. I'm not, That's what I'm, not answer, I'm not answering unless you translate it into French. Fair. So, no, take UBC Sports words, uh, who, who said it possibly better and uh, certainly far more uh, succinctly than I would I would put it. I think that's fair. Like, you know, again, they, they are, that's a, that's a neutral opinion in theory and um, describing it as toothless is, is exactly right. You know, we had a couple of moments from Eze most of the time, you know, he was running with the ball when he could. Um, clearly Brentford were, were paying quite a lot of attention to him as well, um, which, which made it hard, but a couple of decent runs. There was where he put um, Edward in the kind of left-hand side of the box and Edward actually did really well. He'd run the channel pretty well. You know, ball was played nicely in front of him, but some really good defending and two players getting back. And it's not like Edouard could look up and see any other options with him. And that's kind of the main point that we're getting at the moment, you know, for, for the fact that IU has been, you know, our best forward in this season so far is, you know, him in that, that four, two, three, one that we're, we're working with really at the moment, we're only seeing sort of glimpses of, of IU in and around the box um, and glimpses of Jeffrey slapping and around the halfway line in general, um, and it's just not—it's not really functioning. It's it's Eze and, and Edward on their own in that first half, and um, you know it was it was very frustrating to watch. But we'll talk about what changed. But obviously, give you an, an opportunity, Mike, to to sort of mention anything that you feel you want to mention in general for that first half. No, I I, I was frustrated. Obviously, I I did think that we defended incredibly well um and I thought I, I still think that Takure and Lerma are giving the space to those front players to do something um mm. but we're relying on personal bits of magic um you know IU was was blocked out of the game fairly well and he did what he could um playing mm. a lot of the time more centrally than I thought I thought he usually does um but you know, it was it was basically down to Ezra to, to to do something really special. So uh, it was frustrating, um, but at the same time, it didn't really seem like Brentford were going to go ahead and score two three. So um. no, and I suppose that kind of brings in uh, into focus my last point really for the first half display. And I, to some degree, like I've seen a lot of people say similar things. And so I'll say the point first, and that's that I feel like we started the game treating our, uh, Brentford like Arsenal. Like we, we, and we treated Arsenal the same way we treated Sheffield United. This was all, it was the, we play the same way, right? We're same system, same way, treat everybody exactly the same. And a lot of people, you know, have commented on as much that this was this was Brentford, not Arsenal. But I think the first and foremost, Brentford are a very good team. They're a very consistent team. They play at a high tempo. They've got good players and they've got good good options every time. You know, one player's off, the player that comes on is pretty much as good. You know, they're they're a really hard team to to play against. But um, but I mean, Mike, what do what do you think about that? Do you know? Would you expect us? With the team that we've got, you can answer this as well, Cara, afterwards. With the team that we got, with the squad that we got, would you expect us to be playing Brentford differently to be the way we play Arsenal? Yes and no. Um, so, I think first of all, it's worth pointing out Brentford finished, what, ninth last season, didn't they? Mm. Which we've failed to do in 10 years. So, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just bear that in mind. You know, we're. we're by far the, the the most consistent side probably in Premier League history, in terms of um, middle of the ta- middle of the table teams, um, they finished ninth last season. They've got a good side. They're playing at home. Um, 
you know, they they had they really had the fans behind them. And ordinarily, I would say, yes, we play behind the ball and hit them on the break against Arsenal. But Arsenal were, you know, as you discussed, um, very lucky to be, to come away with three points. And so it makes sense with a, a game that perhaps went against us by the old goal to do a similar thing. Um, I'm not sure it, we needed to set up particularly different tactics for it. Um, you know, I, I, ordinarily, yes, but in this particular situation, five days apart, maybe not. Yeah, I think as well, like we are right at the beginning of the season. We've got a change team, both like planned absences and unplanned. And I think there is an element of trying to keep it consistent to work out how what that best team is. Um, and so I can definitely forgive that kind of uh, same line out, uh, same lineup, sorry, um, and same kind of um, approach to the game. And I guess the really positive thing to take from it um, is that when that wasn't working, it did change. I mean, we joked last week, didn't we, about uh, what happens when plan, plan A isn't working. We just stick with plan A and just see what happens. And that definitely didn't happen. The, the very opposite of that happened this week. So um, I think it's definitely fine to kind of approach a game how you think your players are settled and how you think it's going to work, as long as we then see that change when it's not working. And, and we did see that this week. I think that's a very fair point. And, um, you know, I, I suppose... You know, if, I'd have different expectations if we had a if we had a deeper squad, you know, because I do think having um, Mike has just gone; he's just disappeared. Um, <laughs> Look into the distance. Something's... I don't know if one of the kids is. Uh, I don't know. Come on, yes, another teacher. Yeah, probably. I'll try not to let that derail me. Um, I, yeah, if we had a bigger squad, I would kind of i would I would feel like. I would expect more in the modern game for you to tailor your approach to your opponent. That doesn't mean changing your system dramatically, but it means just play, paying that little bit of extra attention to the differences between the teams because it, I mean, more than anything, it, it stops you being predictable and it stops it. You know, we sometimes see, especially first half in games, it seems to be, you know, we, we, we set up exactly as everybody expects us to. So therefore, you know, that bit of work that they have to do at the start of a game does they don't always you know they don't have to think it's like the plans that have been set in place preparing for the match if their scouts have done the right job they're going to work and it's us that's going to have to adapt and that's that's how i feel it's probably not entirely factually true that that's the case but that's how it feels to me as an, as an observer you had your hand up mike yeah so i was thinking about that myself um yesterday on the day of recording and i thought well the solid back six leaves the front four to kind of drift and do what they want. So there's not really that solid positioning that you'd expect. So I use not forced to track back and defend Ward in the way that he's had to in the past, et cetera, et cetera. So even by doing the same thing, they're not going to do the same thing because Ayu and Ezra don't really know what they're going to do. So it's the Balassi effect. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. Um, I, I suppose, you know, when we start talking about the change in formation, I might come back to that. Sorry, Carl, are you about to say something? No, I was only going to say, I think, like, kind of sitting in between the, the two points that you guys just made is that we also do have quite a lot of very predictable players but then on the other side, have a couple of completely unpredictable ones, like Mike says. Uh, Who are you referring to? <laughs> Come on well, now. I mean, I could list at least a handful, but I'm going to go with Edward, first of all, because I think like that is why he doesn't get the goals that he um, maybe should do and maybe does have the kind of technical ability um, to get is because what he then what he tries to do when he's got the ball is really predictable. Um, so it does put pressure then on the unpredictable players to do their thing. And like one of you said at the beginning, I can't remember who it was, it is, we are just relying on those moments of magic from the likes of Ebbs and when he's fit, at least say. Um, and so, yeah, so I just think like trying to create as much space as possible for the for the players that can create that magic is great. And it's okay if the rest of it's predictable, as long as that's working. Now my, my like, um, 
my beef would be that it's not working with Edward and it wouldn't work with Matera either because they're just not good enough and then they're not kind of uh, reactive enough when that magic comes off and they need to be a part of it. But mm. um, with what we've got, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but I, I mean, I do think that we, I'm really hoping we learn a lesson from this game because the change in, in, in the second half really did kind of prove the point that, you know, like you say, we're, in the system that we employed, we're not actually going to get too much success out of whichever striker we put up there. Changing it the way that we did, which meant that Eze and Ayu were, were a lot closer to the forward players. First up, obviously, Edouard, and then in, in later on in the second half, um, Mateta, when he came on, that we looked um, away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Much bigger threat at that point, and it also gave us a bit more steel in the midfield. But I'll, I'll come back to that in a bit because last thing we've got to talk about in the first half, obviously, is the goal that we conceded. And obviously, we've only conceded one goal in this game. Um, and, you know, we kept them to relatively few real chances, um, despite conceding a lot of possession in that first half. But it really it was one of those where I suppose you look at it and you think, great strike. Like That's my first instinct. I just thought, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's hit that as sweetly as he's going to hit that. And, you know, there's not a lot we can do. Um, but, but, but it was a bit easy for him to get there and then the more i watch it the more i'm like oh oh okay so lit so he's he's just run through us um and you know i think the the highlights i watched today have to watch the game live but the highlights i watched today spoke said oh you know palace should have defended better Hmm. sorry joel ward should have defended better because it's not anything that anyone else can do when someone backpedals from the halfway line. And that's not easy to do. That's got to hurt the hamstrings and the calves to continuously backpedal, run backwards for that length of time. I, I don't really I don't really have any words that can explain how frustrated I am at, at that goal and at that defending because Joel Ward is better than that. Whatever I whatever I think about our logic with right backs and completely un fathomably ignoring the fact that we desperately need a new right back for a long period of time especially when we bought an unfortunately broken one in ferguson like we need to do something there and because you can't at premier league level how can you let that happen to you it's not like he's done a multitude of step overs and dropped the shoulder left and right he's just run in a straight line pretty much and we've just and Ward has shown him inside into the penalty area. Why are you showing a an attacker into the penalty area? I, I you know I think he probably will look at that and just think, oh, I've I've just had a moment and can I please move on? And he, to be f- absolutely fair to him, rest of the game, solid as you like, defended really really well, contributed going forward, but it was just an absolutely baffling goal to concede. Yeah, it just it looked to me like a, just a complete lack of decision making from Joel Ward. Like he he didn't really know where he wanted him to go. He didn't really know what he wanted to do with him, and he just gave him all the time in the world. Um, and you can see exactly like you say, Hambo. Like he will be even in the moment that the goal went in, he was clearly extremely frustrated with himself because he kind of does a little like toddler jump up in the air and like throws his like fists down and stamps on the ground. Um, like he he knew it was it was on him. But like I say, I think I think it was just due to that like split second decision making that that all of the players have to have it it just wasn't switched on in that moment for him I think and 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 he and we then paid the price for for that lapse. He had a he had a bad first half in that he also I don't know if you remember it he sort of did this pass back to no one that he then um, slid in absolutely excellent stop but um, that could have been very easily been two mistakes from Ward for two goals. Um, I don't know how much that first one was playing on his mind for the rest of the half, but um, yeah, he, he had a, he had a, he had a bad forty-five minutes. Yeah, but uh, you know, again, I, uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but those those moments will continue to increase. You know, Ward is approaching thirty-four now, um, and and I I appreciate that transfers are hard to do and spending money 
at the level you need to spend money to to keep progressing in the Premier League is a tough thing. So I'm accepting all of those things, but this is really one of those positions um, where we have sort of just tried to squeeze as much as we can out of what we have. It's, you know, year on year, another year on the contract, another year on client's contract. Just just keep squeezing what we can get and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And if you do that in too many places, you push it too far, it's a really hard way back. And, and I'm, I'm worried. Um, we've been talking about competition at left back and, and you know, a decent, strong Premier League option at right back for what seems like five or six seasons. You know, it, it really does feel ridiculous now. And um, we'll get onto our transfer strategy again a little bit later. But, you know, talking about the, the second half, we've already touched on it. Big change at halftime was needed. That The first half was unacceptable. Um, it really wasn't. And, you know, I, I have to say, I wasn't looking for, for personnel changes or expecting them. I was looking for something just different to inject some pace into the side. And the tactical change was probably even better than I initially thought. I just thought at first we've put Schlupp in the middle and Eze on the left, but we actually changed from a 4-2-3-1 back to a 4-3-3. And Roy said after the game um, that that, he referred to it as back to what we were doing last season. And I had to have a bit of a moment where I thought, well, last season was pretty good, Roy. Why did you, why did you change it? And then I thought, yeah, okay, we lost Wilf. Um, Elise is injured. Pro- yeah, okay, I'm being, I'm being too harsh there. But I kind of think we have to learn, as I said earlier, that the four-three-three actually worked better with the personnel that we had. And indeed, in some games, we should be starting with that clearly because um, the four-two-three-one is is a much more stable formation and gets uh, gets a lot out of um, a lot out of some of the players, but. You know, he's reliant again on that that as a magic um, that that we've been talking about. So, four three three was great, um, and obviously, Jeffrey Schlipp substituted again. I know I everyone will be saying, Chris, you've clearly still got the knives out for Schlipp, but I think a lot of people recognise this season that he doesn't look a hundred percent fit, and he's not playing very well. So, his place, in my view, has to be very much under threat from, from a Hamader at the very least. And there's absolute silence agreeing with me there, so uh, no more need to discuss that in any form. What- well, the, uh, the only thing I'd asked is um, thoughts on a Hamader. I, I, I thought he was relatively anonymous. Uh, maybe that's not the worst thing. Yeah, look, that's fair. Um, he didn't. It certainly didn't stand out in this game. Look, I suppose the the problem I've always had with having a settled side is when the players are, that are not in it come into the the team. It's really hard for them to make to make an impact. But I think you have to look at the player themselves. You know, first and foremost, he's got a great engine on him. He's very very nimble, very very quick around the pitch. Um, he still has got some adjustment to do at Premier League level but he's technically very, very good as well. And we paid decent money for him. He's not a bad player, you know, and he he should be the one pushing to get into that that team. You know, when you look at what we have now, if we don't sign anyone else in the midfield. You know, Will Hughes is, is obviously on the way back from injury as well. But, you know, Hamada needs to be looking at Jeffrey Schlupp's position in the team and saying, you know, he's not doing great. I've got to get, I've got to get in that position. That's got to be mine. Uh, and I think he could do a really, really strong job um, if he's given a couple of games uh, in a row to get up to speed. That's my view. Um, should we talk about the goal? Cara, I'll let you uh, wax lyrical about this wonderful flowing move. I don't know how many passes it was, but it was beautiful, wasn't it? And um, I think the finish was was probably from very from the very top draw, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, Roy said after, the uh, the Brentford's goal was the match of the day moment and he didn't have that today. Or like, I guess we didn't have that today. Um, and then Joe himself said like he didn't really know what he was doing. He was just trying to like create something. Um, he managed to do it and then he was just trying hope against hope to um, maybe cross the ball in if he could. But he saw that the keeper was closed. He obviously didn't know it was coming. Uh, and I think you could see that in his celebration as well. He looked more shocked than anybody else, I think, uh, when it then uh, did go in. But like, 
I think it is an impressive, I think it's an important goal because one of the things that I think, I don't want to pick on Edward, but one of the problems that I have with him is that he will let chances go. So like he'll, 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 the, whichever situation it is, he'll have his first touch is not, not quite good enough. And then he's kind of hands in the air and like, oh gosh. And like Mateta would be the same. Whereas what Anderson showed with that goal was like, he, there was just a will there that something was going to come of it and he just wasn't going to let it go. Um, and something did come of it. So I'm, I'm hoping that's then going to kind of seep through the, um, the rest of the squad then, um, especially our forwards. And maybe we don't have to rely on some uh, Joe and magic for the rest of our goals going forward. Yeah, I, I loved the determination, and, and can I say um, it very much reminded me of a, of a goal I scored playing five aside when I was twenty. Um, I, know, I know probably many people saw it at the time down there at um, Three Bridges Leisure Centre in Crawley uh, in in two thousand. But I was uh, I was having one of my I'm going to see how many people I could nutmeg games because you know I was quite lazy, but I I, I like to knock the ball through people don't annoy them and um i think it was uh four in a row um and then the last nutmeg was was on their their last player who had come all the way running from the back so basically after i nutmegged him i had the entire pitch and i i hit the ball way too hard through his legs so i had to basically sprint full pace to try and beat their keeper to the ball and i did that exact thing i slid right at the last minute and flicked it between the keeper's legs into the into the corner of the goal, uh, and I, I then I then left uh, Crawley Leisure Centre and went home um, after scoring that goal. It's one of my best moments, and I think I peaked right then. I've never lived up to that since. I mean, I, I, it was I was I was thinking exactly the same thing. Um, yeah, I thought this yeah. is probably just as good as the. April the twenty fourth, two thousand goal that that Hambo scored <laughs> at Three Bridges Leisure Centre. Um, yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought about Scott down as well because I thought you know there was a period <laughs> when all, all all we had was a couple of very injured strikers and Scott down was the answer to our problems. So maybe I, maybe I don't think there's. I just, mm. Sorry, I just want uh, before we go back to the Leisure Centre. Um, I just wanted to say I I felt that. Actually, the team chased down lost causes and, and that kind of stuff really, really well against Brentford. So I, I, they put the keeper under a lot of pressure. And I, there was a couple of points where I thought, oh, he's going to ding one off one of our players here. I wasn't actually going to go back to that wonderful day. <laughs> I was just going to say there probably isn't more than a couple of days that goes past before you think about Scott Dan playing up front. I, it just seems to be... Uh, a fairly consistent thing, but look, you know, a, a magical goal, a magical moment, and um, I think we've all we've all learned a lot from that story I told. Um, I think that will probably be the clip we put on socials. Get on TikTok; it will go viral. It's fascinating. I can see you probably want me to tell, tell the story again, but I'll save it for another time. I think what you should do, Hamper, is probably um, mm. stage a reenactment of it. Actually, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the same point. This is its own podcast. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But if if I was to do that, we be video. I might have to slightly speed the footage up to give the full pitch because I'm not as quick as I used to be. I've got to be honest, um, you know. But then who is? <sighs> anyway, um, I think that in terms of the second half, the only other thing, and no, uh, Edward had that uh, free kick that was well saved. It was curving into the keeper, but still he had to get a good strong hand to it to tip it over. And, but other than that, you know, we we applied some really good pressure, and and I think that it's just pleasing. It's just pleasing to get back into that game because a little bit like when we're playing Arsenal and we and, and we went one nil down, I didn't see us getting um, back into that game. Obviously, we didn't. Um, but against Brentford, I, I kind of felt the same thing. I kind of felt I, I don't know what we're going to do different here. You know, we're going to look at that bench. We're going to get one or two off the bench at most. Um, but it was fairly decisive to get you know that double change in the seventy first minute. You know, manager and staff did really well to to kind of make the halftime change in formation. Recognised that uh, both Schlupp and um, and Edward were tiring and, and becoming a little more ineffective. Um, so right changes at the right time got us a point. Um, I have to agree with Thomas Frank rather than Roy. And Thomas Frank said uh, they should have won. I, I have to say I agree with that on the balance of play. Roy was a little more kind of like we we shaded the second half, but 
And we were, we were better in the second half. I just thought we were so bad in the first half, we didn't deserve to win. Do you think Brentford did enough to, to have deserved a win, though? I mean, I was, I was looking at the stats before we came on. They mm. had 12 shots, only one of them on target. We had 15, mm-hmm. five of which on target. So I think they were probably suffering going forward the same kind of thing as us, but we managed to find a few more solutions than they did. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if yeah. I agree that they deserved yeah, you you're allowed to disagree, and I and I, you know, I do think maybe my my view is coloured by how angry I was with the first half. Um, you know, it really it really was very frustrating, and I you know I have this overriding feeling that you should be punished for um for being that poor, and um, you know I think probably again a hangover from Arsenal where we probably should have conceded a, a few goals in the first half as well, but yeah, probably statistically you're right. We probably you know deserved our share of the spoils. Um, but yeah, um, I do have a few. Um, I did, did want to make the point that the goal was so unpredictable that um, you know that it kind of did counter our predictable nature. Nobody saw that coming, and Roy was very clear that he didn't <laughs> either. Uh, he said, "As far as for a goal, I'd like to, it's something I'd like to say we work on, but we don't." It, um, so yeah, um, but I think just having that that wherewithal to do it and sometimes that's what you need you you don't want the the manager and the coaching staff to have come up with a solution to your problem sometimes the players on the pitch need to be the ones that do it and whatever it, in that moment that caused Anderson to play a one-two with Ayu it, also ball from Ayu was superb by the way for 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 that touch in the box he was had his shirt being held perfectly weighted and you know the heavy touch from Anderson helped him in the end because he, you know, he just didn't give it up. The look on his eyes, he just, he just wasn't leaving that alone. It was, um, it was, it was a, it was a good moment. So really, really happy that we got a point. Um, you know, we don't necessarily all agree whether a point was fair or not, but, but, um, but still happy. And um, yeah, one one drawn, one lost one for the season. So not too bad. Some quick stats from the BBC. Well, stats, facts from the BBC. Uh, which I think are interesting. Uh, you may comment on them at the end if you like. Uh, you at home as well. I won't hear you, but feel free. Um, since the start of last season, Crystal Palace have picked up 26 points from losing positions in the Premier League. Eight points more than any other side. Mm, right? Impressive. I don't know. If, is it impressive to have gone down enough times for that stat to be possible? I don't know. Maybe. I. It's... It's... It, it's nice get the juxtaposition of the period under Vieira where we should have won about 10 more games than we did when we yeah. conceded late I think it's it feels nice um I'm really confused you said the word juxtaposition and like a thumb uh like button appeared on the screen by your head uh, it's the longest mine? it's the longest word I've ever used on the pod I think um, <laughs> okay. and it's worked that out so can okay, you make a note Round of applause sounds. <laughs> background. Please, please make a note of the time, rough time that that happened, because I would like to see that as a clip. Because I don't understand why it happened. Um, <laughs> Keep saying okay, that was fun. Again. Yes. Well, it, I tried saying it, and it didn't happen to me. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's only if Mike says it. <laughs> Since uh, uh, their return, our return to the Premier League in 2013-14. Um, Crystal Palace have failed to score in the first half of 256 games in the competition. 39 games more than any other side. That's more like the That's Palace impressive. statistics today. Fucking hell. That, that is, is impressive. <laughs> you always have to try to do that, surely. That, that's, um, that's a hell of a way ahead of all the others. 200-odd games we've watched the first half and not seen a goal. <laughs> I mean, very, very loose maths. We're in the 23-24 season, so it's 10 years. 380 games at most, um, although it's going to be slightly less than that, isn't it? So you're probably talking about, what, 350 games and 256 not scoring in the first half. Like, the fact that our fans still make any sound at all, like, especially in the first half, is a credit to every single one of you. Um that is that is phenomenal. There you go. Not a first half team. Um, Crystal Palace defender Joaquim Anderson. 
so I had to say it like that. Ended a run of 30 Premier League games without a goal. Uh, last goal against Manchester City in August 2022. He also becomes the first Danish player to score on his 100th appearance in the competition. That's a great stat, isn't it? First Danish player to score on his 100th appearance. Someone deserves a raise at BBC. They, yeah. they were smoking some stuff. They were smoking some stuff yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, incredible stats work. Um, but yeah, so the last thing from all that, um, just to just to give the rest of Roy's quotes, uh, as I partially quoted him earlier, he said, I thought in the first half we didn't acquit ourselves as well as we could do. You're damn right there. We didn't concede many goal chances, but they had the better of the play. For large parts of the second half, we were in control and got back into it. Um, so there you go. That was Roy's reflection on the game. I'd like to move us on as quick as I can because uh, I'm currently overdue to be on a Plymouth podcast. Uh, look out for that. I should probably know what it's called, shouldn't I? So I could sort of maybe in some way promote it. Um, the Argyle Sweater. <laughs> the, uh, the, it should be called that. Um, it's called the Green and White Pod. There you go. So I'll, um, okay. I won't rush this too much. I've already told them I'm unreliable and will be late. Um so in terms of transfers, it's the big topic at the moment. We're coming up to transfer deadline day. Um, I'll get some reaction. We, we talked about it pre-show at Dean Henderson, but we'll get more into that. But um, on a general sense, Roy was asked about it by the BBC again, and he said, we're working on it. We need some more people in, some more bodies that we can use. The club has always got players in the past, and transfers must be a nightmare for the people who have to pull it off. I would much rather coach the team than deal with the transfers. Um, thanks. You, you could, if you just said we are working on it, I would have slept. Um, the rest of it makes me feel like it's not going very well. Yeah, it's over-explaining, um, isn't it? It's a classic case of over-explaining. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it depends depends what your kind of work ethic is, right? But if you want a job where, like, you don't have to actually deliver on anything, then you'd love to be the person bringing in tra- doing transfers, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what a job. What a job. Yeah. It's um it's one of those look I got a lot of respect for uh, for our sporting director and 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 I think it is a hard environment but in some ways getting to the end of a transfer window going well I, well, I tried you know it's difficult and everyone go yeah, okay yeah no worries um I, I don't think that would quite work for me at work. I just, but, there's look, a lot of jobs that wouldn't imagine being like a surgeon. And being like, it's really hard being a surgeon. I know I amputated the wrong leg of yours, but like, you wouldn't like to do this job, would you? <laughs> like, no, but and it was a good amputation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did the, the amputation was good, and every other you know? one that I've done yeah. was really good. So, like, I don't know what you're complaining just, about. Yeah, can, can we get onto some listener questions uh, before this goes too far down the rabbit hole? Uh, All right, I'm so just gonna I'll try and cover really quickly. Can I? Oh, go on, I go. On. I just wanted to do. Yeah, go on. Go well, on. You, you'll probably cover it. So. Uh, at Pethos 7, imagine Henderson costs us 20 million. If Guaita has gone to Spain and Johnson possibly to Wolves, we will still end up with Remy Matthews as number two. Mad. Uh, Keith Powell said, Do we really need to spend a reported 15 million on another keeper? Surely not a priority. I think that probably goes back to what you were saying about the right back. Um, try list Ballon d'Or. Um, who would you try to re sign out of the large number of players, mostly non starters, who are on the last year of their contract? Uh, and Nick of this parish said, who do you want in? Oh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of questions there. The, the the main brunt of it being about Dean Henderson. Look, it looks like it's happening, right? You know, there's it's, it's reported clearly enough that, that there's something going on there. And obviously, we picked up on the fact that Celta Vigo are trying to, um, conv- it seems to convince us to allow Guaita to, to cancel his contract um, and join them. Um, and obviously the rumours of Sam Johnston going to Wolves, um, you know, they, they were prevalent 24 hours ago at the time of recording. Uh, their keeper had an absolute blinder, the one who was linked to Forrest, Sar, I think it is, um, and has apparently been offered a new five-year contract. So maybe Johnston isn't going anywhere. We won't have to have Remy Matthews as backup. But yeah, obviously you sort of got Dean Henderson needs to join, wants to join a club for first team for, you know, to be the, to be the first choice keeper. So you you thought, okay, well, we're going to have to. He's either agreed to back that out with Johnston or Johnston's going somewhere. And that was the confusing part. So when he popped up with the Wolves link, you just think, okay, fair enough. But if that doesn't happen, it's it's just one of them, isn't it? Where, um, 
you know, Henderson, like Johnson has the shirt, Henderson's got to displace him. Uh, and that's the hard thing to do. But if it's, if it's, you know, I've seen it, we talked about it before, it's been linked as a loan, it's been linked as 5 million, it's been linked as 15 million, it's been linked as 20 million. Um, whatever it is, international, England international goalkeeper, uh, 26 years old, so plenty of years left. I've got no problem with the signing. I just, I have to ask if there isn't, if it, you know, I presume that there's something I don't know that makes it a priority over 20 million on a right back or 20 million on a centre forward, unless we're doing those things as well, unless the, it's not mutually exclusive. So that's my thought on it. I would agree um, with my thoughts too. I'm very happy having competition in places as long as it counts for every position, not just goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so some other questions in there. Obviously, who would I? Who would we re-sign in terms of players that have got a year left? I can't even. I don't know who's got a year left. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with you. I've not been looking. I don't look more than a year to year than year to year anymore. The players I'm most interested in signing new contracts are obviously Eze, who's been linked to Man City now. Um, we're apparently going to offer him a five million a year deal to to sign uh, for a few more few more years. Um, uh, I dare say he'll be asking for one of those uh, Elise release clauses in there somewhere. Um, so uh, in case he does get the opportunity to move to sea. Um, so getting him on a new contract, maybe the same with Decore, you know, still strongly linked to Liverpool. Um, we've apparently quoted something like 70 odd million, but, you know, Decore is so important to us. And yeah, Mike agrees. Um, <laughs> extremely important to us. He's celebrating the Oval Invincibles of one. <laughs> Oh, the other, the other sport that matters. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Um, but that's about it. That's all I've really got to say on terms of contracts. Um, you know, let's keep the best players we got. Um, uh, but I do want to actually mention we have been linked with three interesting names recently. There's a fourth I can add to that as well. That's probably not in the same um, hemisphere. Hemisphere? No, I don't mean that. I'm tired. The same kind of uh, realm. Let's just call it that, right? So we were linked with Eden Hazard. Um, okay. Ian um, Hazard. Ian, yeah, Ian Hazard's probably what Ian it is. Hazard. Mickey Hazard. Okay. Um, I don't know. We've, we've been linked with that, him. I'm, I'm not sure whether there's any truth to that. Obviously, free agent at the moment. Um, only 30, but but really struggled for sort of game time and fitness for three, four seasons. And that's that's probably something we have to concern ourselves with if that was the case. But would be an incredible signing based on reputation and name alone. Reality, those things often don't work out. But it's not it's not unheard of that they do. You know, think Ericsson going to Brentford, you know, um, after, after his heart issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, playing a year there and, and getting the move to Man United. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that it could work. Uh, we also linked with Julian Draxler, um, which that link got rubbished and went away and then came back again today at the time of recording. So that would be nuts. But, um, you know, very good player. Again, struggled a little bit with injury, but very, very good player and would add some real quality and competition in the wide positions um, and help us if we were to go back to that 4-3-3 that worked. Um, and I think the other one I wanted to mention was obviously Ian Acho. Um, or Ian Nacho, as he often gets called, um, which is a better name, let's face it. Uh, the, um, but yeah, but currently Leicester City, um, sort of playing in a, in a wide right forward position, but also can play striker as well. Good eye for a goal, not prolific, um, but scored his first ever goal against us, I think, for Man City, if I remember rightly, as a 17-year-old. So there you go. Um, type, of, type of player we should sign, ones that score against us. So I think that that is everything I wanted to cover in the transfers. I can't work out if I answered all of the questions, Mike. Uh, Nick asks, who do you want in? But I mean, that's just... He can, he can ask me privately if he wants. Yeah, he can just um, ask on WhatsApp coming yeah. in. Yeah, well, some not all of the WhatsApp chats because I do have some of them muted because of him. Um, you know, because, you know... The content is it that caused you to mute, have they? Just the, just the constant contact. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the constant content. Um, the YouTube links to songs that relate to words you might have said four days ago, those types of things, really. Um, I suspect that Nick doesn't have an inner monologue and, and the back of the nest chat is Nick's inner monologue. That's what I suspect. That's quite scary. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but you know, but but he's fun. We like Nick, so um, it's all right. I have to defend him after I insult him. Anyway, should we stop there? You all done? <laughs> I think we better by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, let's just point out. Obviously, Plymouth um, in the EFL Cup. I think we may be in for a rude awakening on that one. Um, but then preview pod back as normal. That's right. Yeah, and hopefully, depending on the time they record, they may get an opportunity to um, to review that. I'm not sure exactly what the timing is there. So hopefully, you'll get a review of the Plymouth game in your preview. But if you don't, we'll cover Chris, it. Next Chris week. is going as well, so he's he's the best person to uh, to cover. Fantastic. Um, also, check out obviously the YouTube t- channel. Got D and the, the the team doing a tremendous job over there still like subscribe all of those things previews player ratings match reaction um pretty much straight after games as well so you get the real raw emotion we've had time to consider it and we're very measured but um you've got some um, very interesting and forthright views on youtube um but anyway we'll we'll let you go and thanks for listening and until next time come on you palace It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.